Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. The penultimate round of Serie A has been played. We're no closer to knowing who's going to win the Scudetto, although Milan did take a little step towards it this weekend. We have seen two teams relegated before the final day of the season, so things are very much falling into place. I'm here with Kev Pugzelski to talk through it all. Kev, say hello. Hello, everybody. That was very enthusiastic. We're also joined by the king of enthusiasm, Mr. Ewan Burns. Burnsy, say hi. Hello, everybody. That was even less enthusiastic <laughs> than Kev. So, Vito, the challenge is with you to lift it a little bit. How are you keeping, mate? Uh, I'm feeling good, but also feeling very relieved too, especially with the latest results. Mm. Yeah, well, look, we did allude to it. Teams have been relegated. Teams, as a result, have been saved. Nothing's changed at the top. Milan still need one point to win the Scudetto. But at the bottom, we have said goodbye to both Venezia and Genoa. Venezia were relegated before they even played a game, thanks to Salernitana's draw at Empoli. And then Genoa lost 3-0 at Napoli and were then confirmed as relegated a little later in the day. But all of the results of the games that have been played so far are as follows. On Saturday, we had four games. Empoli won one Salernitana. Udinese lost 3-2 to Spezia, which ensured that Spezia will be in Serie A for the third straight season next season. Torino beat Verona 1-0 in one of the pointless games of the round. Roma drew 1-1 with Venezia, but that's not the story from that game because there was one of the maddest red cards you're ever going to see. Sassuolo beat Bologna 3-1 in the early game on Sunday. Napoli beat Genoa 3-0 to see Lorenzo Insigne off in his final home game. He scored as well. A little bit of a funny situation surrounding that. Milan beat Atalanta 2-0 to go so, so close to the title. But Inter kept pressure on them with a 3-1 win in Cagliari to put Cagliari in all sorts of trouble ahead of their final game of the season. Then Monday night sees Sampos Fiorentina in what has become a pointless game for the hosts and Juventus host Lazio in another of those games. So, guys, oh, patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football to support the site. But let's talk about Milan Atalanta, shall we? Because I was there, Kev, and I've got to say... The atmosphere at the San Siro was like nothing I've ever seen before. And, and they went on to win 2-0 to go within a point of the Scudetto. And it really did feel like a party atmosphere there. Yeah, there's, there's been a few occasions in sort of stadiums where I've been present and there's been sort of a 10-year or, you know, there's been a significant wait for, you know, some success or, you know, in, in Milan's case, this league victory. And I think it's a, combination of people that haven't experienced that for for a while I think if it's priced perfectly then you can get young children along you're sort of trying to you're trying to get that 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 new generation in you know excitable anyway at the best of times young children of as I say if they're there and Milan's got this stadium that attracts decent crowds but is big Mm. enough that it's always full so I think when something like this comes around, it's that sort of perfect mix of sort of new generation, the expectation from the fans that have waited a long time, the fans that have never seen sort of success. And with it being their last league game, it's it's probably the last chance they're going to get. Well, it's definitely the last chance they're going to get to sort of almost lord them as champions and, and winning the game today and taking them that 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 that, that little step. You know, they're almost there really with the, the head-to-head win to sort of the perfect send-off. One point is all that's needed. And I've got to say that the way everybody celebrated this 
after the game and when the goals went in as well, you and it did kind of feel like they are beyond confident going away to Sassuolo next week because this was the test, right, against Atalanta. This was the game that maybe they could lose, but you would back them to get at least a point away at Sassuolo and wrap things up. And based on the celebrations, they believe that it's almost done now as well. Yeah, it had a real final day feel to it. I feel like if... Um, I remember thinking to myself, in that sort of 10 minutes, even what the the way the UK commentators were talking about it, I remember thinking people who maybe have only just tuned into this game having not really followed the league or whatever, they I'd forgive them for thinking it was the final day mm. and that the win was clinching the title because that's what the stadium looked like. It's also just what the whole kind of discussion sounded like. I think everyone has got such little faith in Sassuolo to sort of do what is necessary from an Inter perspective, which is weird because, you know, we know they're extremely dangerous, but they're just, I don't know, they're just weird. Um, but it just, even though it wasn't the final day, it, it felt like it in so many ways. I felt like it was job done. To me, that felt like, you know, the Inter yeah. game almost felt like, obviously we'll talk about more later, but it felt a bit sort of of a dud game almost because, you just can't picture a world where Milan don't get one point <laughs> from that game. Like, over 90 minutes, they have to get a point from Sassuolo. Mm. Vita, was it worth remembering, as Alistair McKenzie pointed out on Twitter, that this is a decent Sassuolo side? Now, of course, there is the possibility that they're on the beach, as, as Napoli saw when they played them recently. But Sassuolo beat Milan 3-1 at the San Siro in November. They've also beaten Atalanta, Fiorentina, Inter, Lazio and Juventus this season. So Sassuolo are a team to be taken seriously. As long as they are not on the beach, so to speak, then uh, Sassuolo are capable of springing a surprise. And you talked about the win earlier this season, but I still have in my head uh, Domenico Berardi's breakthrough game from all those years ago where <laughs> he scored all four goals in a 4-3 win in the 2013-14 season. So he was 19 then. Now he's, you know, he's meant to be in his prime at 27. It'll be 28 in August. So, yeah, maybe he'll want to finish the season on a high note. So we'll see what happens. But then you also got... Uh, you know, the other young forwards, we'll t- talk about it later. I mean, Skamaka, he got a double against Bologna. Maybe he wants to add to his tally. And uh, Raspadori was an impressive against the Felsine. So maybe he wants to finish on a positive note too. So I think it's more if some of the individuals in that Sassuolo squad, they want to add further gloss to their seasons. And plus, you know, they've they've been linked to different clubs as well. Uh, maybe they want a good performance against one of the big boys in the hope that they get some more lucrative contract for next season. But take it back to today's game. The, the the celebrations after the match were were very end of season-y, as you and alluded to. I mean, Mike Mignan brought his kids out onto the pitch. They were scoring goals. Then Giroud brought his kids out onto the pitch to do the same. Some, Simon Kaya did the same thing and it had a little bit of a... Not a chap, but he, he stood in front of the curva as they sung his name at him. And it was funny because it seemed like the only thing missing was the trophy. And obviously, that's something that people could use to to beat Milan with. But I, I think they're entitled to see off their their season in front of their home fans, giving them that one last push before making the trip for the final day of the season. Yeah, I've you know it's not just Milan, but I've seen some some tweets from leagues across Europe with some fans or some sort of some critics where suggesting that people shouldn't do this lap of honour because of you know whatever season they've had, they've not won yet something yet, or they've been relegated. I think you do need to remember that you know this is a lap of appreciation. It isn't the appreciation for the fans, which certainly is in the UK. It's a lap of appreciation that the players are giving to the supporters who have gone week in, week out, who are putting their hand in their pocket and buying and buying tickets and they want to sort of share that and they want to they want to show their own families that you know how much the fans appreciate them. And I think that's where that's where the line sort of sometimes gets blurred. Mm. People call it a lack of honour and they like to they like to use it as a stick to beat teams with, going, Oh, you know, they finished seventh in the league or whatever, or the title's not done. It's a lap of appreciation. It is by no means a lap of honour. 
It's not I as definitely... if they, they wore T-shirts saying champions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course. Champions elect. Can you imagine that? You know, God, there'll, be, there'll be somebody that will do that one day. But, you know, um, they, they didn't do that today. No, and the impression you got from the players was very much that. They they went down. They they weren't celebrating in in an excessive way. They were basically going there to say thank you on to the next one. I did think that the atmosphere around the stadium was phenomenal, though. Like, really, I know I said it before, but I cannot remember seeing anything like that. And look, whatever way the, the title goes now, it's it's going to be staying in that stadium. And I think that that stadium deserves to be the home of the Italian champions, whoever wins it. But on, on the game itself, a player who's come in for a lot of criticism this season, Ewan, has been Frank Kessie, but... In his last home game for Milan, I thought he was one of the better players on the pitch. I'd probably put him in the category with Pierre Calulu, Mike Mignon's patrolling of his area, Fikayo Tomori and Rafael Leao. I think they were a level above pretty much everyone else on the pitch. Yeah, the bit I noticed the most with Frank Kessi was that um, see, Atalanta were winning the ball in midfield very easily for large parts of the game. They, they, they seemed to have the midfield sewn up, but then they were just having very little joy going forward. And it was always because one of Kalulu, Tamori or Kessie always got their foot in. They constantly tackled them on the edge of the box mm. or got a block in or whatever. Um, and he just, you know, obviously there's been all the question marks around him and leaving the club and yada, yada. But, you know, the, the commitment level and the, the performance level was exactly what you'd want. There was no sign of anything waning from him and you know there was a moment where he whipped up the crowd as well towards the end and I think the the kind of just based on TV the, the reception that he seemed to be getting seemed more reflective of how good he's been mm. over the last two three years whatever um, rather than the fact that obviously he is going to be gone and this was his last game um, in front of those fans so I think it was quite a nice way for it to end thing. Obviously, he's going to want it to end with, with the title. Um, but in terms of at San Siro, it was pretty much exactly what you'd want. That was my first time there for a Milan game since I was there for the Bologna game. And ahead of the Bologna game, his name was whistled by the vast majority of the, of the stadium. And they did whistle him in a subsequent game because I saw other people talking about it. But today, there wasn't one that I could hear. Everybody just roared his name. It's as if everyone said now, okay, look, He's leaving, but we've got bigger things on our plate. We need to make sure he's switched on today. We need to make sure he knows he has our support today while he's wearing the shirt to get over the line. But someone who's just been phenomenal all season, Vito's Rafael Liao. And it was quite appropriate that he got the, I guess it was the winning goal, the opening goal today. Um, few people in that team more deserving. And I think also the style that it came in, I think it's, uh, it typifies the way he plays. Uh, Junior Macias provided that uh, lovely pass for him to run on. He uses his head to control the ball down, and then he just runs like the wind. And it was a, a fabulous finish too. So I think it's one of those finishes that typifies the way that Leal plays, and uh, especially his importance in this Milan team. Uh, yeah, he's definitely deserved it. I can also think that, you know, when he first arrived at Milan, it was pretty much between him and Ante Rebic on the left flank. And even in the season after that, they were more or less alternating. But uh, this season, he has really made uh, that position his own. And uh, yeah, I think if Milan win the Scudetto, you know, he deserves a lot of praise for his performances and in particular to open the score in this game, uh, I think uh, it's uh, a fitting tribute, if you want to use that word, because uh, this uh, this fixture is probably one of the more decisive ones. I thought he took real responsibility today. I mean, he got the goal in the second half just before an hour had been played, I think. But in the first half, Milan were well on top, but they never really carved anything out. And that was spilling over into the crowd there were there were a, a few little moments of frustration there was definitely a nervousness growing around the place and Leao 
took it upon himself to just go wherever there was space, demand the ball, and then just try and drive at Atalanta's area. And if he was crowded out, he'd just take a shot just to try something because it seemed like nobody really had too many ideas. So he was definitely deserving of that goal. And I gave him the man of the match on the site as well because I, I think Fikayo Tomori was excellent, as was Kalulu, but Leao was just, again, he's such an enjoyable player to watch. But Kev, Teo Hernandez scored the goal of the season today, didn't he? Uh Probably, yeah, it probably, it, I think for a goal to be goal of the season, I do like it to have quality and context. Right. I think there's plenty of, plenty of context there. I think, you know, the crucial second goal, probably taking them to a title, you know, it's it's value, it's importance. Um, he was, well, I suppose you could point out that he was given a relatively free run for it. He beat, he beat five players, Kev. He beat half of the team. I think, you know, one of them was Coop Miners, which was on a yellow card, and that's where... And, by the way, the slowest man I've ever seen today. <laughs> it was ridiculous how slow he was. If you think there's, if that's somebody else there, not on a not on a yellow card, I mm. think he probably doesn't doesn't go that far. I think questions do have to be asked if somebody runs diagonally across the pitch and then is able to run diagonally mm. a short way back across the pitch to then score the goal. It's like... You really, even if you're slow and you're not willing to make a foul, I think as a professional footballer, you should be able to lead a player into that direction. So they've either got to offload the ball, they shouldn't be able to just then sort of firm past you and, and, and cut across back into the other direction. Um, That's scandalous yes, it was, from uh, you. It was a, it was a, it was a good goal. Why couldn't you just say that? Why do you have to put in the bit in the middle? You started off well, you finished well. Why do you have to put that bit in the middle where you're trying to take it away from him? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> it is. There's. Let's be honest. There's a reason I threw to you with that question, not either of the other two, because I knew you wouldn't allow Teo Hernandez to just have a nice thing. But it could have been a much nicer day for Milan in that the Scudetto could have been wrapped up with Inter going away to Cagliari. But in reality, Ewan... It was never really going to end up with anything other than an Inter win. And, and they got that with a, a 3-1 victory in Sardinia. Yeah, it ended up being relatively routine. It should be said that part of the routine for Inter, and I think I said this on the pod, is that, uh, on the preview pod, is that there there will be a patch of the game where you think it's all about to go wrong. And that did happen where obviously they went 2-0 up. And, you know, they weren't brilliant, but they were comfortable. Um, and then... Liko Yanis just scored a mad goal, um, which I feel like he threatens to do that quite mm, regularly. He, does. he He has got a very good shot on him, um, and it came off this time. And then they were a little bit under pressure for maybe five, ten minutes. Um, and then they kind of, they seemed to get a bit more confident, but it did feel a bit like they were sleepwalking and they could possibly concede at any point. I mean, you know, it got to the last ten minutes and you're thinking, actually, I'm sort of in my head thinking, you know, one goal and the season's over. So, <laughs> you know, it's all done. Um, but in the end, Martinez did another really nice goal. A very, very lovely little chip. And now they're fine. <laughs> he did a nice goal. He all, he tends to do <laughs> nice goals, Lataro, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, good, good pronunciation of Liko Yanis, by the way. I remember a time when Kev had to say his name and I think he just said... <laughs> The guy with the long name. <laughs> I'm pretty That's sure. The, 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 the great left back. That's all I Sorry, he's got a good first name as well. And I've, it, I've forgotten it now. And I can't find it. It's like um, Char, Charalampos or something like that. Annoyingly, everything I'm looking at is just giving me C. Licorianos. It does um, remind me of when I go to Sassuolo. They've obviously got George Oss. Kyriakopoulos and I always just pray that he doesn't score because then I'll have to say his name in the first match video which is already <laughs> quite rushed but yeah it, it's always nice when you when you get one of those pronunciations done but Inter it's a funny situation for them because they they've got their last game of the season that they should win but it mightn't even matter Vita nah Nah, probably won't. You know, just 
easy. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give them some hope. Right, next game. <laughs> well, Inter, well, Inter need things to fall in their favour. You know, I mean, look, they got to they got to beat some regardless, and they they should do it. They should beat some. That's not hard. But yeah, I think uh, they got to go to you know in the Duomo, say their prayers, and hope Milan lose. Or make sure that Sassuolo off the beach. Make sure that they're not on their way to Rimini or Sanremo or something. <laughs> we um we, we spoke about the atmosphere in the San Siro tonight, and it's it's kind of similar with Inter if they sort of get the same number mm. of fans in. But I liken it a bit to when I was in the San Siro for the last Champions League group game when Liverpool played Milan. And everybody thought there was going to be nothing on it. And then there was this this opportunity. I think if it was if Atletico lost or, or, or drew with Porto, that Milan could still go through if they if they beat Liverpool. So the game started with this massive buzz and you know, a lot of the excitement like you probably experienced today, Connor. And then it wasn't actually what was happening on the pitch in Milan because I think they heard of a goal for, for Atletico and then the atmosphere changed. Then mm. I think Porto may be equalised and the atmosphere changed again. Mm. But then Liverpool scored and the atmosphere changed again. I think there's going to be loads of that. And I think that could disrupt Inter against Samp um, next weekend. If they hear that sort of Sassuolo have gone one behind yeah. or, you know, even flip it around the other way or they've taken a lead. So I think it's going to be, I think they're going to want to try and get the same sort of atmosphere that Milan had in there this weekend. But it's really hard just, you know, as a, as a person to, to switch that off if you suddenly... It'll be that collective gasp if suddenly there's that hush around the stadium because Milan's gone in front against Asuolo. So, you know, I don't know if you're there next week, but it'll be, you know, a, it'll be an interesting for the neutrals to experience that, that in the, um, the stadium next week. Well, we, we should be witnessing the title winners, whoever it is, because we, we should have Ali Bai at the, at the Miazza and then I should be at the Mape. So one way or another, all things going well and as they have gone all season, but it's Italy, so you never know. We we should have FIF at the title celebrations, whatever happens. And I wouldn't mind seeing a team win the Scudetto, to be honest with you, in the flesh. It did feel like that today, but of course it wasn't. But I have a feeling that if Milan win it, we will look back at this game against Atalanta as being one of those huge steps. Obviously, that inter-slip against Bologna is outweighing anything else now because of its recency and because of its how unexpected it was and the drama with which it came. But it's not all good news in Serie A because we've said goodbye to two teams. Now, I understand that one of these two relegations is going to be greeted with celebrations on this pod. So we will park that for now, Vito. So I'll give you a bit of a run-up at, at Genoa, okay? But first, let's talk about the demise and the, the, the death of a football club in Venezia. Because you, and as, as you famously know, when teams are relegated from Serie A, they no longer exist. So how sad are you to see Venezia fall out of existence after just one season in the top flight? It is a shame, because... Yeah, no representation for that city. <laughs> Famous city. <laughs> Everyone's going to be thinking, where's their football team? <laughs> 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 That's a stick a car park on it. No, that's, that's no use, is it? <laughs> the worst Just remove thing it entirely. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what you say when someone's disused yeah. to stick a car park on it. Anywhere else Leave in the world, the that water. works. <laughs> um, no, it, it is a shame, but... Um, you know, it shouldn't necessarily be construed as more of a shame than for other teams. I think you could argue that, and they will come on to them, but Genoa going down is actually more of a shame, historically speaking. Mm. Um, but, you know, the Venezia for probably the last maybe seven months have looked like this was going to happen. It never quite felt like there was enough in that squad to turn it around, and that's how it panned out. I'm sitting here smiling because... Venezia were relegated before this match with with Roma, right? And they, they were 1-0 up within a minute at the Stadio Olimpico in the capital against a team who were playing in a European final this year. And with half an hour played, <laughs> Sofian Keane just, just kicked 
<laughs> just kicked Lorenzo <laughs> Pellegrini in the balls. And it the 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 football was nowhere near the scene. The football might have been ten meters away, and Keane just no kicked. As well. It was, <laughs> but it, did he just decide? Ah, we're, what what am I doing here? It's like he just realized I've been here for half an hour. I have to stay here for another what two hours? But we're relegated. <laughs> Can I just go home, uh, uh, Lorenzo? I'm just gonna kick you in the balls, Kev. This has got to be one of the best red cards you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, and he'll, he'll now get to finish his season early, so he can just go on holiday. <laughs> yeah. But it was because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, he's he's somebody's kicked out at Pelle, Pellegrini and he's on the floor. And then when you see the the the, the first angled slow mo, you realise it's not even the player that's challenged for the header with Pellegrini. And then you still think it's just a kick out. And then when they show the last angle, it's a really comedic sort of straight knee, you know, like an entirely straight leg, like swing up like a child would do when they're sort of booting another, you know, a child, child in the um, yeah that region. And Like something your younger sister would do to you when you were a kid. Do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. incredible. It was bizarre, but funny. So. Vito was right to point thing. out. Vito pointed out that he is still owned by by Lazio. So baby's just like, oh, do you know what? I can't stick use being in a European final. Have some of this. I thought it was lovely. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to go back on loan. He thinks if he does this, the the, the Lazio fans, he wants to stay in Serie A. So the Lazio fans will sort of go, come on, get him oh, back into the derby next year. <laughs> Oh, he's, that would be tasty. he's gonna rock up at Samp next season, but of course Vito Samp won't have a derby because Genoa, after 15 years, the the oldest club in Italy and one of the finest, I'm sure you'll agree, have said farewell. Ah, uh, good riddance to them. <laughs> Not this even a bit karma. of sympathy. <laughs> this is karma. After the way they carried on in. 2011 when we went down ha, now they know what it feels like now they know what it feels like huh? and it Remind was a us, long time coming what did they do in 2011 i remember you saying this before but just just so the listeners have their memories refreshed with three rounds left to go in the 2010-2011 season there was a very late derby <laughs> della lanterna and uh, they managed to secure a 2-1 victory with a late goal in the stoppage time. So afterwards, once some thought his relegation was confirmed, they went down the major street of uh, Genoa, which is the Via Venti Settembre, and most other major cities in Italy have a street with that name. So it's quite a wide street, and the Genoa fans, they got a fake coffin, they put a Sampdoria flag on it, and they started walking down that street. Come on, that's fair game, though. I think that's lovely. It wasn't even that because, as well, because they after they beat um, Samp, and you gotta you gotta say probably that's as much Samp's fault for losing as it is Genoa for beating them. But they they down they they down tools then in the last two games, which effectively relegated Samp. I can't remember who it was against. I, mean, I was only writing this earlier for the book because you know I was doing a bit on the relegation sort of how they relegated each other over the over the, the years, and, um, and and yeah, they just down tools for the last two games. Went sod it. If we if, if if this can relegate Samp, we're just gonna like <laughs> just turn up and wander around a bit and just let the other teams beat us. Which um, is is um, there's a term we use in the UK, which I don't think we're allowed to use on this part. No. <laughs> oh, Kev, I tagged you in a tweet because Sampdoria tweeted celebrating that they hadn't been relegated. Now, I I don't know where my personal line is on this, but. Spezia did a tweet after they won at Udinese. And you know what? I, I think I've I've realised what it is. So Spezia won at Udinese, stayed up, and they did quite a funny tweet with... um, What's that thing called in where you have to line up the three... X's and those, where they did an X and they were like, oh, we've won because they're getting three seasons in, in a row, which I thought was quite nice. Quite clever, a nice way to do it. Samp didn't even play. And they stayed up and they posted a tweet saying, oh, we're in Serie A. So, Kev, I tagged you because you were quite vocal about your disdain for that sort of carry on. Um, 
And you know, if Genoa had been, if it wasn't Genoa getting relegated, Sam wouldn't have tweeted that. <laughs> no, it's very much sort of digging at him, isn't it? But I, I, because I, I, obviously I saw the tweets, so I responded. I am probably lucky enough not to have to go through a relegation battle with my club, and I just wonder. A veto will probably be able to answer this. <laughs> are you more disappointed? I don't know. Are you more elated that you've stayed up? Because I, and you know, maybe I'm just a pessimist. <laughs> I, I would look at the table and think, you know, we've stayed up by like three points or whatever it will be in the end, and it's like that's that's largely maybe like one penalty. You know, we talk, we talked talked about the uh, Crescito miss in the derby this year, and it's like. I don't know. I just I, and sometimes I think teams that do do that, they sort of their glass half half full, and they're related with the survival. Never actually sort of right the underlying problems that have put them into that scenario. Whereas, you know, you can't you can't keep on sort of hanging on, can you, to your Serie A survival and just hope three teams are worse than you? I I know what you mean, but I think celebrating survival, you never know what's going to happen next season because I remember like when I started supporting Atalanta they were fighting to stay up every season and they finished 17th or 16th before Gasparini came in and then they finished fourth so you never know what's going to happen like there were there were no signs that Atalanta were going to be become this European regular and and like giant killer and Coppa Italia finalist twice in three years so you never know. Samp have been up at that part of the table recently as well. So give them their excitement. Yeah. Well, I can't speak for other Sampdoria fans, but uh, from my perspective, uh, as much as so I enjoy seeing Sampdoria, I mean Genoa getting relegated, <laughs> I still I still prefer that uh, Sampdoria survival comes first. But that being said, like I mentioned earlier that it does feel like a sense of relief because in truth it hasn't been a good season at all for some it's been a very poor one and we've been very fortunate that the teams below us have been a lot worse so i'm really hoping that in the summer a few things get resolved because the ownership situation is still up in the air especially now you know it's been um, five months since ferrero had to resign and uh, yeah, just there's just a lack of clarity all around. So who knows what 2022-23 holds for the Luciarchiati? I won't say it's either good or bad. It's just just so many unknowns that you really can't predict uh, if it's going to go good or if it's going to turn out to be an absolute disaster. But uh, I'll say it again: just it's a relief that we managed to survive and that. Uh, it was done before even a ball was kicked by a sump play in this round. Yeah, if we if we move on to Genoa just for mm. a second, because obviously Ewan's not going to allow us to talk about them next year when they're in Serie B. No, well, they don't. There is no Serie B. And, and, and Vito just picked up on... The, One team the, the, <laughs> Yeah, Vito picked up on the Sampdoria um, ownership issue. And the, um, the Genoa fans I was speaking to before the derby were... They were resigned to their fate, even if they defeated Samp. You know, they said we're down. We've got Juventus. You know, we know how that turned out. Now, we're down. But they were they were overly positive because they've got rid of Preziosi and they sort mm. of see the new new ownership as kind of starting something for them that is probably better building from a lower base. They were saying, you know, we can probably build a little bit more without the the scrutiny and the risk of going down. So you know, that's quite positive for them. But when you know, so we, we had the game on indoors today. And obviously, Stacey went to um, to Jenna with me. So she's going, you know, she hears Jenna a couple of times. She's like, oh, so this is a team you went to watch. And I was like, yeah, yeah. She went, oh, they're quite good then, aren't they? Because we've watched the first half an hour. And they went at Napoli because that's all mm. they could do. They, you know, shackles are off. They, they had to go and win. And you think to yourself, they're doing that against Napoli. And obviously, ultimately, they, they got beaten 3-0. But, and, and obviously, Blessings also only came in just recently. You think uh, if they could have just gone with that freedom a little bit more, I think some of these sides get themselves stuck in the mire of going down because they spend too many too many games at the start of the season trying to grind out results or hopefully see them to survive. And you think if you just go out and actually play with a little offensive freedom, 
you might have picked more points up in the start of the season because there's some talent there to do it. You know, not a great deal, but there's talent there to do it. And I think, you know, sides like Genoa shoot themselves in the foot sometimes by being too um, passive at the start of the season. Well, it seems that's the path uh, Genoa are going to go down to. With the new ownership, it seems that they seem to have a lot of faith in Blessing, especially the way they've just plucked him out of Ostend. And they really want to build this kind of model with like the um, Red Bull clubs, that sort of style of play, that type of play recruitment. So, and even the, watching the way they've played under Blessing, at the start, I was like, who is this guy? But uh, he's definitely implemented a far more German style of football, if you like. And uh, I think with going down to Serie B, they might be able to unearth some gems that would probably suit lesson style of play or that you know like gag and pressing or that type of football than a lot of the players currently at Genoa that uh, you know used to playing with coaches that haven't got a clear style of play or they're more used to the conservative conservative Italian way of playing the old-fashioned way but uh, blessing you know looks like he might implement something different he's already tried to and maybe with Serie B He'll probably have a bit more freedom to do what he wants to do and really make his top of football succeed. Both both of you guys said things, and as you were speaking, I just couldn't help but think about Parma because Parma were relegated last year under new ownership and there was the, the hope that they could rebuild and have a successful season in Serie B and come straight back up to Serie A, or sorry, come straight back into existence. But... It didn't work, and they tried to to recruit these players from unusual places, not players who who have a bit of experience in Italy or in Serie B, and it, it it's not worked at all this season. Now, what they do going into next season remains to be seen, but it does seem like that is a similar route to what Genoa are going to take, and I think they should take a little bit of a, a lesson from what we've seen at Parma and maybe not go all in on that in, in their first season in Serie B because when you don't do that, you tend to have a better chance of coming straight back up as we've seen so many times with with teams who just bounce up and down between Serie A and Serie B. So it, it becomes a question then, do you want to do your rebuilding while you're a Serie B club or do you want to do your rebuilding once you've established yourself back in in Serie A, and it's a really complicated line to walk, I think. But on the other side of this game that saw them relegated, you and Lorenzo Insigne played his his final game at the San Paolo slash Maradona, and he scored a goal. So it's a nice little send off for the little man. Yeah, and he. he... He, he was given ample opportunity to make sure he did it as well. <laughs> well. Yeah, and that confused both of our apps. We were trying to keep up with the score and they didn't know what was oh, happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. a particular app was really not sure what was happening. It, it, no. As far as I was concerned, it was 4-0 at one point. Um, apparently that was never the case. Me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, the the way that Insigne was sort of smiling around and seemed to be looking at people in the crowd when he was getting ready to take the penalty for a second time um, it was like, if we want to talk about end of season feel, that felt really, really end of season. But then you sort of remember that Genoa are genuinely in this game trying to get something extremely important. Like for, for Napoli, the game was largely irrelevant. And um, it almost felt like, obviously, Insigne is a guy who is an attacker and would be taking penalties anyway. But it almost felt like the sort of veteran centre back who was retiring mm-hmm. was put on a penalty on the final day when nothing mattered. They had that sort of vibe about it, but eventually he stuck it away. Um, and it was a very nice penalty. Might go into a little bit more depth post-season on, on Insignia and his legacy at Napoli because the season isn't finished yet. He will still play for Napoli on the final day, but bowing out at home, it, it was an emotional day clearly for everyone involved. I was quite pleased to see him score. I really still haven't accepted the fact that he's actually leaving. Not just that he's leaving Napoli, but that he's leaving Italy and that he's going to to MLS because uh, I've made my feelings on that clear throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. I think it's a real shame for him to be going there now. 
And I just don't see anything positive about it from a European perspective. Congratulations to Toronto. Congratulations to any fan of MLS because that is an incredible coup for the league if he doesn't do a, a Gonzalo Higuain and, and takes it a little bit seriously, a little bit more like uh, Sebastian Jovinko did, I suppose. But I, I'm just still hurting about the fact that Insigne, who was so influential in Italy's European Championship win just a year ago, is now leaving Europe to go to MLS. I, I've not quite taken to it yet. On the other side of this fine city, though, Ewan, there was another relegation scrap, this time in Serie A Feminile. Napoli hosted Pomigliano, and, well, well, this one didn't go as well for Napoli, who, as we explained last week, are actually no connection to the Napoli men's team. It's, it's very, very complicated, but... They hosted Pomigliano and it was basically a straight shootout to stay up. Napoli needed to win. Pomigliano only needed a draw. And Napoli went 1-0 up and they were a goal to the good at half time. But Pomigliano fought back. They scored in the 61st, 65th and 70th minute to, to ensure their survival in Serie A Feminile. And I suppose over the course of the season, they're more than worthy of their place in in. The, in the campaign next year when it becomes fully professional. Yeah, I think that's fair because, like we said last week, we we weren't entertaining the idea that they were really in the relegation fight um, and that they very suddenly were. Um, but it almost seemed like just in that patch in the second half, it was almost like they clicked and remembered what it was they were doing that, you know, has meant sort of had them effectively... I feel like we've not talked about them that much, but you know they really have overachieved this season mm. to to have been out of the relegation picture for so long, um, and then eventually just to stay up altogether. Um, and they they're, they're a team that seem to, off the top of my head, share the goals around because they have you know it's Maria Banis that she scored twice in this game, but like you said, she's not had a brilliant season. Your friend, um, yeah, close friend. We, we talked, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, they they I don't I think they, they lack superstars that team. There's um mm. I can't remember exactly how to say it, their first name now, it's like Juicy. Um Juicy, Juicy Morocco. Yeah. Um she she is like the main goal scorer, but you know, she, she doesn't get all of them. Mm. Um they are more of a collective. Um and I just think it's it's nice for them to have stayed up. You know, we we were kind of back in Napoli going into it, but you know, it's it's not as if we dislike Pomigliano, they're, they're, they're a team that you want to stay up. No, absolutely. I I was back in Napoli because I quite like Napoli. Um, and there's other reasons as well. But Pomigliano have funny kits too. They've got an, an unusual kit that you don't often see, both their home and away. Uh, I wouldn't it, say I like them. But no, unusual. but they're different, <laughs> aren't they? Now, the, the blue one with the white sash that's not really a sash... I think is the better of the two. Although, do you know what? I'm not sure because how would you describe the other one? Because I'm struggling. Um, I mean, in the simple terms, you'd say it's claret and blue, but it's quite <laughs> mishmashed claret and blue. It's sort of, there's a few. I don't know. Is I think it even it, I think claret and blue? <laughs> is it not just like, <laughs> is it not just like pink and maroon? <laughs> that's... that's true. I forgot about the pink. I think it's different every time they play. I think I think, I think that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was picturing a different kit in my head before I googled it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you've not looked at Pomigliano's kits, go and have a look at them. They're a bit odd, and it's nice to have them sticking up. No, Kev, they're not hot salmon like the Atalanta third kit that we discussed, which was disappointed that they didn't wear at San Siro. I thought Milan were going to do some nonsense and play in black which would have opened the door for Atalanta to wear their hot salmon kit, but they didn't. So, Serie A Feminile, we've got Verona, Lazio and Napoli going down to Serie B, which is a shame because next year it's going to be fully professional. And Napoli, I'm worried for them, you know, because they've got some players who I already wondered why they were at Napoli. And now you would imagine they will get quite easily other clubs in Serie A or abroad, Eleonora Goldoni is, is obviously one of them. She'll go somewhere and do a decent job next season. There's quite a few others in that team as well. So, yeah, it, it could be a, a tricky attempt at promotion for, for them next season. But let's hope not. 
the incentive to leave is stronger as well this year. Yeah. Um, for obviously the professionalisation, etc. If if you have had to be relegated, you're going to really, really want to get picked up by a team in the top flight. Yeah. I, I have another question about the women's game. I've learned Look so at you. We're getting them interested. Come on. <laughs> You're getting interested. <laughs> uh, you, you, you um, mentioned there, Connor, that, you know, you, you, there's some players uh, that you didn't know what they were doing there. And then it mm. made me think of, um, you know, when you get sort of random children of first team players, like playing for the youth sides or, you know, the famous, yeah. you know, Donnarumma brother playing. Are there any scenarios like that in the women's game where there's like a famous sibling playing for either the men's team or the, you know, even if it's like a, a child prodigy and they like employ their sister or their, you know. I don't know the family trees of all of the, <laughs> the players at Napoli, but from surname analysis alone, I would say no. There's there's nothing along those lines. Like no no famous people involved or or parents who played football or anything like that. I think like their biggest name is by far Goldoni, and she's like she's a phenomenon with with football and with other ventures that she explores as well. So no more of the Maldini dynasty knocking around at Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Goldoni will go on to win Serie A Manila next season and, and then her kids will come through and and do the same thing. We'll see. It, it, women's football is still in its in its infancy as as an elite sport in Italy. So we've got to give it a little bit of time for these generations, Kev. Like, come on, it's only gone professional next season. You can't have the dynasties around already, can you? Well, that, that's very much a family dynasty rather than a women's game dynasty. Okay. There was a fair few, um, fair few kids in the celebrations when Juve won the title last weekend. Mm. Um, I don't know who they belong to, but I assume some of them belong to some of the players. Um, but they were very little. So, like the concept, I think you have to wait a good you know, 10, 12 years, whatever, before you start seeing any fruits of that. Do you know yeah. what, Ben? Well, I... Go, Kev, first. Well, so, so I suppose Daniele... Maldini, it would be one of his children that might be the first or the next male or female Maldini in the, mm. you know, in the Milan dynasty. So we probably even he's, he's about eighteen or nineteen years old. He's, he's something ridiculously young or ridiculously younger than me. So we've probably got a little bit more time to wait for that one as well. So. You you mentioned about the kids though. It, it's quite an interesting one because when I spoke to Lana Cleland last week, she said that one of the things that is good about going professional from their perspective is that they're now entitled to maternity leave. So maybe you will have players having kids where before they thought, I don't want to take the risk and not be able to to make a living for a few months. So who knows? It's probably going to to redefine what Italian women's football is. And that's what we've been hoping to see. And I've got to be honest, I didn't think we'd get to the point where Kev was asking questions about Serie A Feminile in consecutive weeks. So you and we've done it. We've, we've cracked them. <laughs> Yeah, even if it was a weird them. question. It, it took until the <laughs> penultimate round of the, the Feminile season to happen, but then it's happened twice in a row. So we'll take it and run with it, and we might even get them on the, the season pre review pod just so we can ask some more of these questions. <laughs> but let's you get need back. To do a kit. You do a kit spreadsheet, and I'm fully on board. Oh, Kev, I don't know where <laughs> to start because we'd need to describe them, and the Pomigliano kits, as you've heard, are indescribable. So we'll see what we can do. But. I wouldn't be holding your breath waiting for it to happen. Back to the men's game then. There were the pointless games. Bologna 1, Sassuolo 3, Verona 0, Torino 1. And then there were the less pointless games. Now, Empoli Salernitana was 1-1. But it's hard to really work out how this finished 1-1. And I think it's completely down to Guglielmo Vicario Vito because he put in a performance for the ages for Empoli to keep Salernitana out. Mm. If it wasn't the best performance from a goalie this season, it was definitely top three in my view. I think he was absolutely outstanding. And the fact that, yeah, it was 1-1 was staggering because for me, I think maybe a higher scoring draw, like even a 3 all or a bit more comprehensive win for Salernitana would have been more fitting considering the chances that were generated, but uh, Vicario, I th- especially in the second half, his reactions were absolutely outstanding. And uh, you could argue that he should have done better on the equaliser, but 
not even that would take much away from his performance because he was really keeping uh, the Tuscans alive in this particular game. And then he also he saved Perotti's, let's face it, tame penalty. But still, you've got to save them. And even after that, he had to make a few more saves. So Salernitana were pretty much throwing the kitchen sink at him. And his uh, performance was more than admirable. It was extremely impressive. What do you think of this game as being the, the derby of the two largely underwhelming Italian strikers who came through with a lot of expectations put on their shoulders? Because both Federico Bonazzoli and Patrick Cutrone scored. And it did just make me think, uh, ugh, they're still knocking about. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Well, you got Bonazzoli, that's 25. Cutrone is 24. I'm probably a bit more disappointed with Cutrone because he really looked like he could have been something at AC Milan. And then Wolves paid a good amount of money for him. I think about, what, £35 million? Pounds? So, yeah, that was a wasted investment, to say the least. And Bonazzoli, I think he's had a few injuries along the way too. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Bonazzoli, he looks like he'll be... He could be one of the heroes of the season, you know. He's on 10 goals. Mm. So I think his season's been a bit positive. But uh, Cutrone, yeah, very underwhelming given his potential or what his development should have been like. So, yeah, yeah that's it. I apologise that I started laughing midway through your answer, Vito, but it was nothing to do with what okay. you said because... Yeah. Burnsy has been on Twitter during the, the recording of this podcast. <laughs> and Kev, I, don't know, I don't know if you've seen his tweet, but <laughs> it, it made me laugh because it's very accurate. That that gif is very much descriptive of how you praised inverted commas. I was Taylor just going to hold it up so you not see in the camera, but I was worried that it, it wouldn't like be clear. So I thought, right, I'll... I'll just whack it up there and let it crop up at some oh, point. <laughs> that was excellent. For the, if you're listening, it's it now. that gif of the man crying behind the smiley mask. It's it's gorgeous, and that is basically what you were doing, Kev. I have seen it now, but obviously I'm a I'm a professional, so I I don't have things like Twitter running, so they don't disrupt my Wi-Fi. Um, and considering Ewan's the one that has the most problems with his Wi-Fi, probably hey, I'm all guns blazing this evening. Uh, that, uh, why have you a... said that? Because I no, was thinking it, but I, <laughs> I was never going to say it because it has been very good. So we could probably say goodbye to you and now because it's obviously going to cut out on him after saying that. But... I think it, it can hack sending a tweet, <laughs> given it was like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> okay, I'm not I, sure. I forgot I'd done it and then I just saw you start giggling. I thought, oh, <laughs> I realised. It was about me. <laughs> you got the little notifications of me liking, yeah. retweeting and quote-tweeting it at the same time. But... um. <laughs> The, the other team who stayed up, Spezia, they, they beat Udinese 3-2. It's a shame that that didn't relegate Udinese or something because, let's be honest, I, I've made my feelings on them <laughs> clear. But I'm happy that Spezia stayed up, Ewan. Yeah, um, yeah well done to Spezia. But I think you're, <laughs> with that, Udinese are up in like 12 or something. <laughs> they're still, still yeah. hoping that they're going to get relegated. <laughs> on the not this, but <laughs> we've got to get rid of them. Like in the next couple of seasons, surely I, I must be due it. No, you can't, Ewan. Because think about it from my perspective, okay? It's no. it's <laughs> not, I'm gonna make you, right? It's a nightmare to get to. You cannot get to Udine from anywhere else in Italy in less than two days on horseback. It's a nightmare to get to. And I've already been there, so I've no desire to go back. So I want I want them gone. A new team to come up that I can go to. You could tie it in with a trip to Lake Bled in Slovenia if you were yeah. clever. Yeah, but I could do, but <laughs> hence, hence why they should send the lead. <laughs> my my face wouldn't have been picked up by the listeners there as he said that, but you very much would have seen it, <laughs> and I think that's all that needs to be said. But if we're if we're talking about teams from that neck of the woods, let let Venezia stay. And just put Udinese down because there's a little bit more interest than about them. Udinese Stadium gets a lot of praise. It's rubbish. The seats are all different colours because they don't have enough fans to make it look like there's people in it. So they put different colour seats to make it look like there's people in it. 
and the main stand is the furthest stand in the world to get to from the street. So it's a nightmare. And the main stand is fucking miles from the pitch. Like, it's so far away. And it's the three stands are connected. (laughs) But the, the only stand that the cameras don't show has seats all the same color. (sighs) <sighs> I hate them. Yeah. Oh, it's surprising they have fans. <laughs> you know, you're rubbing off on me here. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> your anti-Genoa sentiment has spilled over. But I want to do the nice. <laughs> God, I'm sick of them. I'm absolutely sick of them. They do nothing for Serie A. They, they did a bit in the mid-2000s. Fine. Let them get relegated. At least then they'll be interesting. I think that's it, guys. <laughs> I think we've done it, have we? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Oh, Kev's well, looking at his notes. Way to end. Yeah. Drain this one. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I had to deal with Lambrato today. I'm not having a good one. It's been hot as well. Kev, you looked at your notes and now you're sitting with your, your mouth open. What's going on? No, there's, there's nothing on my notes. I'm sitting with my mouth open. I just can't breathe my nose any longer because I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So nothing more to add, no? No, nothing from Burnsy. No, I don't think so. Vito. No, actually all good for this week. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> I expected another uh, yeah, that's what I was expecting. Because he did a little smile before I threw to him. So before <laughs> he do- before he gets it in, um remember to head to patreon.com slash forza Italian football. Sign up for two, five or ten euro a month. Support the podcast. We'll have stuff coming through this summer. And yeah, that's it. We'll speak to you next week. Bye.